0: So I was just talking about uh, opening my band in the 90s, opening for Bobby Bear Jr., yeah. Bear Jr., is called, and we, would, we were really good in the South, and we played a, a country line dancing bar, and I think maybe line dancing had go, gone out of style a little bit by then, but it was a massive place where, but not to me, I'm yeah. always a fan, and um, it was um, this really awesome, massive room, because people need a lot of room to line dance. And, you know, we played this place and it was just like... What year was this? 50... No, it was uh, 1999. 1999. And my, uh, yeah, my recollection is that it was awesome. <laughs> you were with a rock band at the time. I was with a rock band. Yeah. We were called Old Pike and old pike uh, there's a history in there cuz the guitar player in that band is in my morning jacket now the keyboard player is head of A&R for epic records wow the bass player is a uh, a very successful artist in chicago and who else and, and now me, and, you, and you're me. here at this tea place so everybody yeah. everybody
1: yeah everybody had great successful careers it's a win
0: win Hopefully none of the guys like listen to this and go. I'm gonna fact check you right now. And I'm gonna tell you that yeah, you're thinking of a different band. How many?
1: How many? How many bands were the two of you guys in like collectively before?
0: Ooh, um, um, well, I, uh, being the not Zach part of this band, uh, I I was in a lot of bands playing. I, I lived in Bloomington, Indiana. Yeah, and played in. And, and I had one consistent band, and then I branched off. By the time I left that town, after about 10 years, I had—I I think I had played in about 10 bands. Hmm. Then I moved to San Francisco, and it was really hard to find a band, and I almost left, and then I saw Zach's ad in Craigslist. Like, with He had very good influences that he was citing, and he had a record, and he sent it to me, and I was like, well, now I think i found my band, and, and that's it. I don't... I, I mean, I, I don't. I, I play with other people when I'm recording or something yeah. like that. But I, I nothing, nothing to really.
1: What what year was that for? when he saw that, that ad? The, the ad. The ad, yeah.
0: 2002. Okay. Because we started recording, that was probably. When did you get married? Um. Yeah, just well, not too long after that. That's oh, two, you said 2003. Early well, I'm not going to put. I'm, I'm going to try to not put Zach on the spot, but we we he's, uh, he's met taking in his clothes off. So you'll yeah.
1: have to bear with him for a moment. You know, when,
2: I, when I know tea is coming, I gotta start stripping. It's gonna get hot in here. I know. So when we're happy with the pot, I'm gonna basically be naked, which is why I hope this will be a little more private. Oh well. Tell me, Enjoy so, everyone.
1: Tell, tell me about your uh, tell me about your Craigslist ad. What what were the uh, what were the influences? Uh,
2: <laughs> I, you know I'd like to look it up but yeah um, I, I know I had Yola Tango and Caveman okay. and GBV and yeah. you know probably some British Invasion bands I would guess uh, My Bloody too. Valentine you sure I you had U2 you yeah, <laughs> he's, he's BSing we Synchronicity have, no no we didn't have No that. Jacket Required I no I didn't have that. I like that record um, <laughs> No Jacket Required is awesome um,
1: so, so I mean, where, where, like, where were you in life at that point that you were putting a, uh, ad up on Craigslist? Well. About to get married, apparently?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, I, um, I had played in a band before that, but it wasn't, you know, really songs that I was writing. Yeah. So, um, I, I had lost my job because I was working in the web world, mm. And our company got bots, so they let everyone yeah. go and i'd been really busy you know up until that point. I was working a lot and um, and I, I was always writing songs, but it never you know it didn't seem like it was songs that other people would hear <laughs> you know it was like what I did with is what I did with my time yeah uh, my mental health time, but it wasn't it never even honestly and I don 't say this to be coy like it never occurred to me that they would have any other use besides yeah. my own amusement, and it was something I did by myself.
1: Was it? Um, I mean, was it? Was it like an embarrassment thing, or you just, it didn't even occur to you?
2: It just didn't really occur to me that other people would be interested, and not because I had any kind of self-loathing. I just figured I didn't really think they were real songs. Yeah, you know, I thought they were like something I did. You know, and and so um, when I got laid off from my job. I was in this band already, but it wasn't going anywhere. And it's not like when we played in clubs in the Bay Area, anyone would come. I mean, yeah. we were about as obscure as it gets, you know. And, um, and so I f- suddenly was jobless, and I had been recording all these... Uh, just, I started recording demos on a uh, four-track machine, and I, I was kind of freaked out because I had no job. And I knew this guy who had mixed a song for that band I was in, he just graduated from Full Sail, which is that you know recording. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, yeah. And he was like the only. Florida, right? Yeah, he's the only person I knew who was an engineer. I mean, I didn't know a single. I yeah. didn't know anything about music. I mean, recording. I didn't know anything. And so I just, um, I sent him these demos that I did, and I, and I the only person I sent them to, and I asked him. His name Bill Racine, and I asked him what he, if he would listen to him. And so I'm on Christmas vacation, jobless, with my family. And he gave me a call. He's like, I'm with my brother right now. I'm in, he's in Michigan visiting his family for the holidays. like, you have to, we got to make real demos. I'm like, okay. I'd never had anyone validate my writing really on any real scale at all. I was totally surprised. I was almost embarrassed to send these tapes. I didn't know how to record really anything. So it was four track. Um, And so, yeah, he said, come out. And he was working at um, uh, the studio um, in Woodstock. New York, um, Bearsville, mm-hmm. which, you know, really, it was yeah. it's closed, but it was a really highly, you know, yeah. and he was working there, he said, just come out here, and we'll do demos, and I was, I'd i never had anyone ask me to do that before, and I had nothing to do. Like, fly, I,
1: come fly across the country and yeah, record some demos with us? I, I,
2: I, I had no job, I was re- recently jobless, so I was like, well, I've been working my ass off for so long, maybe I'll just go out there right now, and I just bought a one-way ticket, yeah. and I just flew there on a complete lark. And um and then we would we would record we'd sne- s <laughs> a large metal lark, yes. Yeah, I, uh, no I <laughs> and uh and so we go to so he was working there, but I didn't really have any money. And so we'd sneak into Bearsville yeah at like three, you know, two in the morning, whatever, and we record until it got light and then we'd go back to he would live in this one room house in, in the middle of nowhere in Woodstock and then we'd just record in, mainly in his in his house, it was one room. So we do we try a natural reverb in the bathroom. And there's a song called Falcon Settles Me where I had, we turned on the the faucet to make it sound sort of like percussion noises. <laughs> and it was all that's all we did. And and I had never recorded, so um, I never really recorded really anything. And so it was all just made up arrangements. I didn't have any idea what I was doing. Yeah. And um, so we just. We, it was a very improvised thing, and and that became out of the shadow, which is the first record, uh, and so I used that as a long explanation. But anyways, I used that to recruit band members. So I felt like I wanted to play these songs, but I couldn't play them by myself, so I just posted an ad, and Pat yeah. responded, and, and we started playing together.
0: And it's like it's like musician fly can- paper. Yeah, that that CD he put up was like I, I was I was gonna be witty. And, yeah, but maybe I'll try. It was like musician fly paper. He threw it up there, and I got stuck on it, and then some other people got stuck on it, and then yeah. then it became a, a very packed flypaper.
1: I mean, it sounds like you were both kind of at a well. I mean, obviously, like at a turning point, but you know, we're 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 barreling towards some fairly. Desperate circumstances
0: on both of your in, ends. In, you're right. In a very very, very real way, I yeah. was getting ready to pull up stakes and move to Austin for real. I was yeah. ready to get out and, and just... Did you move to San
1: Francisco to-, to play music?
0: I moved partly to play music. Me- well, I, I was a very... Uh, not, I, wouldn't, I was always playing music when I lived in Bloomington, yeah. Indiana. That's where I was for like eleven years before I moved. But like, if
1: you're a guy in Bloomington and can play an instrument, then everybody wants you in their band, right? I just
0: figured there would be music, yeah. to be played in San bands Francisco. Could be found in San Francisco, sure. even though there wasn't really a, a scene happening, yeah. where it, like that you could really gr- grab onto.
1: Figured you could just like stumble down hate yeah. and just run into a few bands. There was going to be more opportunity.
0: Yeah. Well, it was there. I'm sure there was, but I wasn't finding it. Until yeah. until that ad, hang on. I'm going to pass the mic over to this guy.
2: You don't have to announce it every time. <laughs> uh, I I wouldn't say uh, for me. Uh, I wouldn't describe my situation at the time as desperate yeah. at all. I mean, I just I was recently out of a job, but I was going to try and find another one. Um, I mean, I remember very vividly recording music in Bill's house in Woodstock and laying on the floor in his living room and being. In total disbelief because it was the first time I felt like I'd ever made anything of value in my life. Hmm. You know, it was a complete shock. I mean, I didn't expect to, you know, make real songs. You know, I just, it was like all I cared about was music as a child, you know, and all I obsessed about was music. And when I felt like I'd made songs that were my own... And again, I didn't, it's not like I had a band, it was nothing, you know, but I remember that feeling. So it didn't come out of a place of desperation, it came out of a place of I had this opportunity and this time, this space to work on something really for the first time. And uh, it it, it completely freaked me out um, and made me really excited and I felt like for the first time in my life I had some sort of purpose, you know.
1: So. yeah I mean yeah I, mean, I, I guess desperation is probably a, a, a strong word, but you know at least like this idea that that there's an opening right now and maybe there might not be that same opening again, you know like like obviously like one door is closing, and at the same exact time you're getting this opportunity and so you you made a big you made a big choice yeah and, yeah, and how did i mean and that just That segues into the band, and then that's the beginning of the band, and that's the end of your old life.
2: Yeah, it was so strange, and that's kind of one reason why, when it it was just a recording, then it was like, gonna be a band, or it was was an album, I I changed my name and everything. You know, I wanted to literally change my life, Hmm. and for the first time, feel Hmm. like I was living with purpose instead of just worrying about. being educated and um, you know being financially stable which were pursuits that I you know that's the path I've been following and there's nothing wrong with that but um, the work that I was doing I didn't get any pleasure out of yeah. it and I didn't even feel like I was very good at it um, I was good enough to get paid pretty well but um, I didn't feel like I was good at it I felt like I was just BSing my way into a, a fairly good job but I, I didn't care about it you know
0: surprisingly that's when the dot com crash happened. Right when you stopped, I working. precipitated. <laughs> it, 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 like boom! Okay. All of a sudden, there was available available apartments in San Francisco for artists. And yeah. Others. Not anymore.
1: There, there, there was no. I mean, did did you go back? Was there a point when you you went back and and had a job again, or was it just immediately into being a rock band?
2: No, uh, no, d- you know, because when we started, we, it's not like we were traveling. I mean, yeah. we we were just like practicing and playing and then we started getting some gigs locally Um, and so it it was a while I mean I had to I did get other work and I eventually had to quit because we were touring like I couldn't hold on to a job because I was just gone all the time but um, so I did uh, excuse me I worked for my friend's design company I did some work on the side but it um, my mental state had changed where I was doing it but I already knew I was checked I already knew that I found i f- i had a new self and so um i did it and i was effective you know but um i finally just couldn't keep continuing i mean it sounds like you were consciously transitioning
1: where you like you weren't driving the stakes in too hard so that at some point you could just kind of lift up and go and 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 start that new life like you would you didn't you didn't actively go pursue uh you know like a full-time job so that transition would not have been as hard you yeah, well
2: that is true but i will say when the band started yeah um I it's not like I thought we were going to get signed by a label. I mean, I had never met anyone at a label. I didn't know anything about labels really except I liked, you know, I liked music from yeah. certain labels. But so it's not like I felt like you know, we got signed to Sub Pop, I mean, I was in shock. I mean, I was truly in shock. I mean, I we didn't send, the, you know, someone sent their them hmm. our stuff and when they contacted us, I kind of thought it was a joke. You know, and they said they want and they want to sign I, I just it was so beyond anything I ever would have thought, and so it's just not—it wasn't my headspace, and um, it was just—it was there was like two years where I think yeah. I was in shock. So, so there's a sense of accomplishment after the, doing this demo, but not necessarily a sense that this is
1: something that a lot of people are going to want to listen to.
2: No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I, I, I wanted, I wanted. It was the first time I wanted to share something with my friends. Yeah. You know, and my family, but I, I just. It, it, and I, and I and again I, I just I didn't know much about the music business and I'd never met anyone in the music so I never even thought about it. I never thought that that was something that would be possible for my life and you know and, and I, I mean to sound again I'm not trying to be coy or you know sure. or anything it's just that at the time in my life yeah. I just I revered musicians and bands I put them on such a pedestal and they were so mysterious to yeah. me and there was such mystique that I didn't feel like I was in that. That space, and then like, know? and then like sub pop. I mean, yeah. like of all the labels I know. to come along. It was really, sh- yeah. I mean, I, I, was, and our first real tour was opening for the Shins. Yeah, and they were like my favorite band, yeah. pretty much at the time. So um, it was just, uh, it was too much. I felt like, honestly, I felt like I was living like in a parallel universe. You know, it was really, it was too much, nuts for me. So, so you.
1: So you, you, uh, you, know, you, you, do, you do the first demo, the band comes together, you, you, you get married. Is, is a conversation with the wife that like, okay, this is what we're doing now, is that a difficult conversation to have?
2: That like, I'm, I'm a music guy all the time now? Honestly, I think it was a relief. Yeah, because for her? Well, I think when I was really in the web, no, no, I, I think <laughs> when, I w- when I was doing uh, stuff in the web world, yeah I think I was becoming um, kind of a bummer. You know, I was I was not passionate. I, I and and I when when the band started, I, I just I I became like I became younger. I was actually acting hmm. uh and not in a way that was immature or something. I was just my personality came yeah. back. I was revitalized as a human being kind of like how I was in college when I had so much passion and idealism and uh, energy and drive and um and so I think for her she was probably just, like, glad to have me back a little bit, you know? But it was hard. I was gone all the time. First two records, you know, especially when Santa Like Vultures came out, we were gone. Yeah. Pretty much constantly, you know? So it was it was very difficult transition, and I'm I'm not great with travel or all the time. You know, living out yeah. of a suitcase or, you know, sleeping on floors all the time. You get, I, I don't love that, you know? Well, it's, it's your life now. It's- <laughs> well, yeah. So- Standards have changed a little bit, but... Uh, Stayed in a couple, you know, unsavory places sure. in the beginning, you know. So, how,
1: so how, how, how do you make that transition? You know, second record, um, you're actually a band. I mean, is that, the recording process must have immediately been different when everybody comes along. And now, same, same deal. It's a little bumpy. It, it's,
0: the, the recording process started actually before the band was put together, if I may. We yeah. traveled up to, um, did you already tell them about this? Well, we heard about the first the first demo. When we got together, we mostly just talked about music. We didn't even yeah. play anything. And then he had a couple weeks booked up at um, Dave Friedman's studio in upstate New York, oh, Tar yeah. Box. And um, the band wasn't put together yet but he asked me if I wanted to go with him, and I was like, yeah, of course. The
1: band was put together, and you had studio time booked at Dave
0: Fridman's? Yeah, well, it was Dave, It was uh, Bill Racine, the guy who, put, who yeah. did the first record, and then the second record, had was was working there. Yeah. And there were two weeks free. And, and, you know, go, and I doubt that happens ever now. But, but I, but
1: I mean, you know, you tell me that you've got a recording, I've got a recording session with him, and it's like, okay, well, I can't fuck around
0: now. Like, now it's got things have gotten serious, right? Well, it's at Tarbox, but we recorded with Bill. Yeah. but um, And it wasn't free, like we didn't, it, it wasn't free, like no no charge, but it was definitely af- sure. available and affordable. Uh, and so Zach asked me, and it was pretty much the first thing we did. Hey, do you want to go and record for a couple weeks? Yes, is the answer. And then we started tracking songs that ended up on the second record, like 10 to 1, Bird on a Wire. And I think those are the only two other on the record proper. And... And so then when we put the band together, we had already been touring. And work. we worked the first record for about a year as a self-release. And then it came out on sub-pop. So we had another about a year of, of working that record. And in that, me, in that time, Zach was constantly writing. So he had a ton of songs ready to go. And we had already been rehearsing those as a band. So we went into the studio and kind of did it as a band. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say live, but it, you know, we, we did... Um, bass drums guitar everyone was there did their part and everyone it, it, it was the most of that time of those guys it was it was a band record it was you know it was very everyone contributed
1: I mean, it's interesting it was it, you know it was it was the first band record but it sounds like you almost kind of came together in the studio around the recording of the record
0: yeah yeah well we had like i said we had rehearsed all those yeah. songs they had already been well rehearsed so the sophomore there was no real sophomore slump, I guess, because the songs we had been working that first record so much that in the meantime we had so much ta- time to yeah. work the work the new material that was to become the the next record, and already had two songs tracked. And so, it, it it sounds like it's it's
1: important for you guys to mix it up a little bit in the studio from record to record, right? To
0: keep things fresh. I would say. Yeah, I mean, this time this time around we really mixed it up because we did our own thing at our own yeah. studio. Well, you kind of
1: went back to square one in a sense, right? I mean, isn't this... It sounds like like spiritually this is probably
0: the closest to that demo recording. I would agree, and Zach would agree too, I'm sure. He's sitting next to me, he's shaking his head. So, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, because there was... Well, we were self-producing, but so there really wasn't anyone else. Yeah. But when Zach did the first record, he had an outside opinion. He had Bill... So, but but he I mean he literally probably couldn't you, you you didn't really have the means to record your own record
1: early on <laughs> you had no idea what you were doing no yeah. well
2: I did um, I did a little bit of overdubbing on yeah. the first record after we did you know me and Bill did the tracking but it was I did it on ADAT, which I'm yeah. using more and it was it was not high quality yeah it, it's kind of like a vcr basically yeah. use the same tape yeah but um i did some of that stuff but yeah i didn't know what the hell i was doing and so um yeah and this um for this record also it's not necessarily it was like we are going we're going to kind of revisit another time it was yeah. more like we just didn't want to do demos i wanted to just have it be spontaneous recording We weren't going to know what we're doing until we're actually recording. Not no pre-planning, you know, on Nightingale Floors. We spent eight months demoing, and we got really into it. I mean, it was the most meticulous recording, and we basically made the whole album two times. And, And I felt... And you know, it was. We worked with John Congleton. I love John. and He's such a great guy. We had. He's a, very talented. But in terms of like energy and yeah. an album being a moment in time and capturing your kind of your first kind of emotional response, I want to get back to that. And so that was really what it was. And because you know, when we record songs, I would make sure he hadn't heard anything. Like he didn't know anything before we'd record. And so. I liked that and i want it to be more like gut reaction to stuff and and having be more raw i feel like we've overproduced our records the past few records um well last two anyway felt overdone to me and over overplanned, overproduced, over planned over produced over over mixed over just too much just in, like in
1: like in like with with distance between you and them or or just the the as you were the, through the process of actually doing
2: it the process of just like yeah. making things also too uh, too perfect or too, you know, ironing out stuff that yeah. you know, leave not not letting a lot of the mistakes and first response to yeah. things happen. You know, letting my voice be crappy a lot. You know, instead of like making me doing more takes than I need to do or more takes of guitar or you know, we had some songs on this record where there's a song called Curious Me and the outro of the guitars we um We purposely... I did um, two takes... And I purposely left put both of them in because <laughs> I wanted to sound like Exile Main Street, where yeah. it's like there's so much slop all over yeah. the record, and that's what's so endearing about it is that like they, they it's you feel the looseness. Yeah. And I wanted to feel like yeah, I was oh, bending notes a little looseness? bit, but you know I wanted to feel like and we when um it was sent to get mixed, they pulled one out. I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. The point is that they're you hear the errors, you hear that like it's two people smoking cigarettes, you know, and their bell bottoms and just letting themselves play music you know so um that's what i want on our recordings now so you know it's more fun
0: oh, we're, in it, we're in an era where you can fix everything you can fix yeah. everything beyond beyond belief you well can, it's not have, even just that where you can have one drum one kick drum hit and one snare drum hit and then make a whole have you talked of- have
1: you talked to vanderslice about this because i had that conversation with him like oh. he's he's very passionate about this about about over-mixing kick drums.
0: Oh, I'm sure he is. I, I, we, we know him really well, <laughs> yeah. and I haven't had that specific conversation yeah. with him, but I bet I could if I called him right but now. But just
1: about, but because, like, you know, like of all of the, uh, you know, obviously he's got his issues with, like, Pro Tools and, and computer recording, but he, but we were talking about, we, uh, we had him on the show, we were talking about it, and he said that his main issue with it is just that, like, you end up just sitting there working on that same like, yeah, that kick drum sound over and over again and over polishing it. And the fact that you can just sit at the computer and play with the levels all day, you end up doing that. And that just kind of takes every bit of character out well, of it. Be, yes.
0: Yes, and to be fair to the process, we use Pro Tools because yeah. we have to. We don't have enough money to have tape machines. No, uh, If we did, we would. And we do have some tape capability, but a lot of times what we'll do in the drum world um, is is um, maybe, I'll, maybe I will piece together a drum part but then when I get it done I'll go play it because we, we didn't yeah. play these songs but like Zach said it was all completely like here's a brand new thing and not, it's hard to develop when you're developing in the studio and you're recording the record and it's the final product um, and a lot of times I would make a, do a lot of takes of drums put together a part and then go and re-record the drums as a solid part rather than like keep a comp drum track. Sometimes I kept those comp drum, the the you know, the whole I would put it all together, Frankenstein it, keep it. Yeah.
2: No well problem. we were we're um we've been in Philly with Saint Brian McTear Studio and we were just having a conversation about this with him about this yesterday. Yeah. Is that there's a kind of sameness happening in recording right now because there's these tools that are ubiquitous, whether sure. it's certain kinds of synths or certain kinds of plugins or certain yeah. kinds of recording techniques. Or auto tune. oh yeah, in a, in a, yeah, ex- yeah. But um, certain plugins, like we're talking one called Sound Toys. There's a lot that um, have these incredible sounds. But the problem is, is if everyone's using the exact same yeah. incredible sounds, then you have a uniformity, and I'm not really interested. I, that doesn't excite me, you know. And so we'd rather do stuff in our own way and use our own stuff and you know and i
0: think meaning, meaning spend time and when you spend time and you're spending it at a studio you're spending a lot of money we could afford to spend time which is what you need as an artist you need or or a musician whichever one artist musician but oh, you need time mm-hmm. and we have it because we have a studio we only pay our monthly rent which is way less than paying six hundred dollars for a studio and then another four hundred for a Producer or whatever it becomes, it, 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 the, the price tag goes up really fast. So we, we kind of cut corners and did it ourselves, which meant we got to spend as much time as we wanted and have fun and explore every possible thing we could at the time. So wait, so yeah. what, what was the what was the studio setup like? Where 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 did you do it? We we have a space in Oakland that has served as our rehearsal space, like for a warehouse, probably so... about ten years. And we also record demos. and We yeah. record the other for other projects and stuff like that. Like like he said for Nightingale Floors, we recorded demos. We basically did the same thing we did for this record, yeah. except we went ahead and had someone else re-record it. And um, even John said, "Do you want me to just mix these demos, or should we re-record?" <laughs> and we were like, "Well, we let's Surprise. record. We just yeah. like, I almost flip a coin, but so." Uh, so, yeah, we have our own space. We've had it for a long time, and it's just we decided uh, let's do it in our studio. We had plenty of outboard gear. We had a board. We have a, a studio partner uh, who just came in and really is sort of a, our, I want to say he's our Jeff Emmerich if, if, if for a Beatles reference. He really knows gear. He really knows how to. I learned a lot from him from, from tr- for, for tracking and stuff yeah. just by being around him. Um, His name is Brian Moen. He plays in a band called Peter Wolf and he's a great dude. Um, And uh, so through him and us just spending a lot of time together doing trial and error, we just developed a way of recording in our own space, kind of learning as we were going along. And, And then all of a sudden... 2 years later, I think it's 2 years. We have a record, but a record that was a lot of fun to make. Yeah. And I hope I, I already heard people say, yeah, I can tell you guys are having fun making that record. Um, which is what it was all about for for us well, on. Well, I own. mean,
1: wasn't and that, wasn't that kind of some of the the criticism with the last record like people were calling it a little too morose? Morose?
0: <laughs> Handle it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well,
2: you know, I, I don't I I don't I I try to not our publicist is here but I try not to read a lot That's of the reviews stuff. but sure. you know the fact is is that when we were um when I was writing the record and we were um doing our demos my dad was dying of cancer and I was I was in a bad place. Yeah. I was morose, I was desperately sad and it was it was you know it was a very hard time in my life. And so this music reflected that, and I, I didn 't feel up you know I, I was sure. I was in a place where I was wondering about you know I had a lot of questions about life and meaning and um, so you know maybe it is a hard listen for some people, but I will say that if i if i didn't have those guys to be working with during that time I, I would have I would have probably been in a much much more desperate situation so it was really um i get joy when i hear those songs now because i feel like it lifted me out of a much more you know difficult place so
1: i'm just wondering you know i'm wondering if you know part of why you know you opted for this technique with the new record is like okay well let's let's do something a little more spontaneous you know like let's just kind of like like feed off of the energy in the room a little bit more
2: yeah, and we realize you know it's it's funny you know when we practice as a band or when we're monkeying around the studio, um, we do some kind of like some kind of kooky stuff. We have yeah. a lot of like odd uh, instruments and whatnot, and we always say like you know we should we should do this when we record. And we yeah. some yeah. of our more spontaneous instincts, I think we tend to uh, limit. And this time around, I think we just decided like. Let's not limit that. Let's actually indulge that. You know a did, little bit. Did it,
1: but did it feel like? Did it feel like it was an exercise to the point where, like, I, you know, I was, I was reading a, an interview you, you had done before, and like one of the songs on the record is done with a tuning that your kid
2: <laughs> yeah. made by, by knocking a guitar over. Yeah, well, he was turning them. Yeah, he knocked it and he was tur- turning them, and I would, I would get upset when he'd knock over yeah. my guitars because I don't want them to break. But um, then, I, but I decided, you know, I'm gonna. I want to see where this goes, you yeah. know, so I just I was trying to see if I could write a song based on his tuning
1: it's funny though it's sort of like it's spo- it's spontaneity as exercise to the point yeah. where you're like I mean you guys were were you guys like checking yourselves when you weren't being spontaneous enough around
2: something no, and it wasn't that conscious, yeah. but like there was this one moment and there was a song that I, we haven't really it's not on the record, but I'm hoping we do release it. there's a song called Woody, and I I was, like, heading to the studio, and my sister sent me this article, this crazy article about this administrator. Uh, I th- no, I think it was the principal at this very elite yeah. private school in our area, in the, in, in the Bay Area. Yeah. And he was found in a motel with this hooker, and he was doing all these drugs, and all of a sudden, like, he was the ultimate kind of... Whatever the, the sure. article was striking yeah you know and, and I went to the studio and I told myself I'm writing a complete song based on how insane this article is and I wrote and I, I actually it was the first time I started the lyrics first, which I never do that and um, I wrote the whole thing then and so that was very that was instant reaction yeah. you know and I was kind of excited I wanted to record it you know so hopefully that'll see the light of day at some point. So 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 again. So t-
1: so take me through this process again. So you're so you're, the, you're in the studio, and this is you've never heard the songs before. You listen through it once, and then go from there.
0: What I would do is I Zach would come. Zach, did I say Zach? Yeah. yeah. Zach would come through. I'd say, I'd say okay, just play. I get a a click track going. I'd yeah. say just play the song, and I would basically get a, a time a tempo together put that down. Then I'd record what he was playing. And then maybe put a few more things on. Put a scratch vocal on. So we'd have guitar and vocal and then maybe like that would be it for the day. And then we'd come back and I, I'd do dr- put some drums down. Sometimes a lot of the song was formulated was was recorded before drums went down. So it also gave me a little bit of time to learn the song. Mm-hmm. But as well, Zach, it too. Zach was learning it, but like <laughs> no. he, he would uh, Zach
2: would I actually wrote the bridge to "Endless Supply" when we were recording it. You know that?
0: (laughs) I did not know that.
2: Mm -hmm. So when we were taking a break, I wrote the bridge.
0: I just had the microphone in my face because I was just looking at Zach, and he said some a bunch of stuff about how he just wrote it when, like, somebody went to the bathroom or something. Anyway, that's just how. uh, What was I gonna? Where were we about?
2: How we would. Arranged.
1: I mean, you know, I, hesit- I hesitate to use the word, especially you guys being from San Francisco, but you were jamming, right? I mean, it was a.
2: Uh, yeah. Completely. It was completely. And what we'd find, I'd often. A lot of times we do a guitar, or a synth, or something, but I always thought that was like placeholder stuff just so we get a rhythmic sense yeah. of the song and a, and a scratch. And then I felt like once we had a rhythmic sense and a scratch vocal, then I would try and get into like, well, what is this song really going to sound like? And then Pat is so good at uh, indulging um, sonic, uh, yeah, yeah, well, it's just kind of experimentation where yeah. we'd, if a piano sounded lame, he'd be like, well, don't let go. What if we have slap delay on that? Does it sound cooler to you? You know, we just try things and commit effects to tape to just try and see, like, is this a song or is this just an idea or what the hell is this? Um, But I really like the idea that I could go to Pat with a song knowing that I wasn't even sure if it was a fragment or if it was a song and we'd still work on it. Instead of, you know, in the past maybe I'd wait till everything was really, really, like, it was fully structured, all the lyrics, everything very complete. But this time I felt like, well, I wanted to not be totally complete and let the process make it complete. How
1: many how many songs or fragments did you have at the beginning? Like how many did you bring to the band?
2: Um well I had more than I brought. You know, I I would just and I actually I would just look at my notes and I just feel like I want to try this one today. But we, we ended up we tracked you know, we we I, we thought it was gonna be a double album, so we we did a lot of songs, yeah. and uh, we ended up releasing it as a single. Album. So yeah, it has twenty plus songs, but there was probably like, like maybe fifty. I was thinking huh. about that. I, you know, and so
1: how like like what 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 is what's kind of the bare minimum for you for like a thing that you would bring to the bands, like a, amount of song? No, a, a, like like a piece of a song. Like how much are we talking?
2: Honestly, it's more it's like here's a melody or no it's more like what uh what uh sound do i want to chase like huh. what do where am i where do i feel like uh in my head i'm really what am i excited about right now? today or yeah. or what's a melody whether you know what's a melody that keeps coming back to my yeah. head that i want to explore because i feel like it could be something exciting or i keep or it feels catchy in my mind and Does... i want pat to, i want to see if pat likes it does it get?
1: I mean, does it get back to that
2: that original that idea we were talking about before about like the Craigslist ad of like, all right, today's like Yola Tango Day, is it that? No, no. It's, it's not really like ban. It's more like because I don't feel sophisticated enough to be a mimic, you know. Yeah. Uh, and every whenever I have tried that, especially with vocals, I always fail. Whenever I try to sound like someone else, when I in my mind try to, I always feel like. I end up feeling really bad about it because I feel like I can't measure up to the yeah. person I'm trying to sound like, whoever it is. So, that,
0: Well, that's why karaoke always sounds so bad, because you try to emulate Bruce Springsteen's yeah. voice. You're yeah. yeah, and, and you're, you have enough so, social lubricant in you to do it. So, um, I mean, yeah. also, to be fair, most people can't sing, which also they, makes... They just have to find their voice, their pitch. <laughs> like, sometimes you go to karaoke, they're playing it. Like, you're yeah. going to sing uh, Don't Stop Believing." Well... Most of us can't sing that high. Just if you can change the pitch, I bet you could nail it. You know, if you Well,
2: can- I, yeah. I mean, you. you Don't stop that's it. You're
0: right. I
1: can sing that. But you, you, you know, you you brought you brought the guy from Geographer on. Yeah, You know, and that I mean that that seems like a that seems like an instance where, um, you just kind of gave in, and realized he couldn't do it. But up until now, it's uh, you know you, you you get these ideas in your head, and the the band is ends up being kind of in a way defined by those constraints right it, like obviously it'd be great to sound like the beatles but again the band ends up being sort of the But
2: wait let me the thing about mike though i will yeah. say it wasn't like we're like oh we failed here we need to bring in a ringer sure. it wasn't like, like we were actually doing a bowie song yeah and we did want him to sing on that. we thought he would sound really nice yeah and when we was there me and pat are like I wonder if he should harmonize and some other yeah. stuff while he's here I mean, that's really how that ended up working. I thought out. there were, I thought
1: there were like notes you couldn't hit. So well, you that, is that is true.
2: That is true. Because I was like, imagine, imagine if someone singing high could yeah. do that. You know, but it was. I think it was him seeing on the album was like an afterthought to the Bowie song. <laughs> so funny. So yeah, it just worked out well that he was there for the other one.
0: I want to go back to... Yeah, like, to the we've, Beatles. We've never, like, gone into the studio and said, let's write it, let's make a song sound like this. Sure. Songs, a lot of times it'll just start sounding like something. Yeah. Like, uh, what is the one that ends with? Da, 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 boom. Yeah, like, yeah, that's Curious Me.
2: Curious it like, Me, that, that why song. Why don't we do it in the road, yeah. yeah it had
0: that why, don't we do, that, was that, why don't we do it in the road kind of thing. Or it was, it was something off of, like, McCartney's first record. Well, once that sound just started happening, and for me, for drums, it was like, I put a towel over the snare, and I yeah. had a particular thing going, and it sounded like that. So it made me play like that, which was very sparse, basically kick and snare, nothing else. And that informed that song. But I would never have dreamed of going that way unless when we started out recording it, it just happened. That's, there was never a, a true plan for a lot of the songs, though. Like, like we've been saying. It just kind of happened. And,
2: and also I will add that sometimes it's like, not necessarily like let's sound like this band today, but it's more like this instrument. Yeah. Like we had this one song again that didn't make the record that I'm hoping we can release at some point soon. It's called Honeybee, and I felt like I'm getting I'm, really excited about this B sides record. Oh, we're, we, well, the there's set. some. Well, we had a song <laughs> called Honeybee, and I felt like the acoustic guitars were gonna like. The acoustic guitars were going to sound like a traveling Wilburys, but it was the g- guitar, not the rest of the song, but like those acoustics. Yeah. We, I remember I sat in this ISO booth that actually Pat made out of like these closet doors, and I was, I have a picture of it actually. I'm surrounded by, fully surrounded by acoustic guitars, and I wanted to play every single one and have like a Jeff Lynn treatment for just the acoustic guitars, yeah. but it had that chugging sound, and then we had added some tape delay to whatever.
0: So on that, when you started. And when he started doing it, I was like, okay, this sounds like that song, um, I think it's called Don't Answer Me by the Alan Parsons Project. It's an 80s hit. Yeah. It had, like, an animated video, like, kind of a Dick Tracy kind of video. And I was, this sounds like that. And that then we started chasing that a little bit. Yeah. So,
2: and then, like, on the song Frozen Lake on the record, which I think is probably my favorite yeah. record of the recordings, there was... Um, we want an acoustic guitar sound and it's like a stabbing acoustic and it just sounded like old Tears for Fears you know from the hurting like that era and um, so I wouldn't say that song sounds Tears for Fears but that acoustic stabbing is like it's very 80s in the way that we wanted that brightness to hit you know so we get into bands like in that that's how they kind of infect the music you know so it's piecemeal infection you know I think
1: I, I, I got the i got the sense and, and, and you know maybe i'm a little a little off but like you know particularly like you as a songwriter that you you know maybe maybe your natural state has been to kind of write like tight pop songs and that part of like going into the studio is kind of fucking it up a little bit like kind of like
2: kind of making it a little weird in the process. Well, it, it's possible. I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, sometimes a song seems weird to me, um, and then once it becomes a real song, it seems less weird. Yeah. Or so I don't really know. I mean, I don't. I don't feel like my. I actually feel like um, I need to trim the fat more on certain kinds of songs where I'll indulge a pre-chorus yeah. too long or something. But I've been, yeah. And, and quite, quite frankly, you know a lot of the music I've actually been listening to lately is dismantling structure more. You know, a lot of modern hip-hop records or mm-hmm. even like the last John Cale record, I, I've been drawn and wanting, trying, wanting to get into the idea of actually abandoning structure a little bit more, you know? Is you that know, something,
1: wonder. though, I mean, is something like that something you could do within the confines of this band? Yeah. Of just going completely in in one different direction? Or do you feel like you're tethered to something, you know, whether it be like past records or a sound
2: or like, you know, fans perception of what you do. I don't feel tethered to anything. You know, (laughs) I, I I really don't. I mean, I don't, I, I don't feel a responsibility to adhere to some kind of map or that, you know, people who like our music would be outraged. I think they were so, you know, we lost so many people with permalite that it's like, it doesn't, and and, including ourselves for a while there, you know, so, like, the people who are on board are on board. Or, or new people. Like yeah. I think if anyone... People who like the new record, they're, they're going to like it. And and I, I think it insults people to try to replicate stuff. And I, I get so sick of that in bands. And, and, and so, um, I mean, honestly, I've been thinking about our next album. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the two directions it could go in are so polar opposite in my mind of where they could go that... I know, and I'm think it's so funny to me that it could it could be wildly different. And I, yeah. I don't know, and I don't want to know yet because we have so much like touring to do. But in my mind, I'm excited because it could be r- really different for us.
0: You know. Yeah. The challenge would be the challenge would be for us to go wildly difficult. I mean, um, different because um, there is something that you do. I think the, the way the, the way you write, the way I play, the way we approach songs. There is something that. If, if we make another record like we did this one, there's going to be a very similar thread. There's, it's really hard to get outside of what you gravitate toward. Uh, I think what one gravitates toward, and um, uh, I don't know, remains to be seen. I will say this though, there is a song called "What Is Left to Solve" on the record, completely an island on the on re- that on the, on the mm. record because every other song sort of has a very kind of similar vibe. That one seems more like electronic and dancey and it's more like how Permalite was was supposed to be I think yeah. the way we were going to so that one's actually that song is a throwback to Permalite Permalite demos anyway yeah
2: and and also say I mean I feel like the process and and the you know all those things are kind of important to us in this esoteric way of how we work but honestly I feel like all we can really do is if people if if the songs are interesting and 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 really reveal us and all our, you know, messed up yeah. glory. Yeah. Um. That it doesn't matter if it's it, a song is a song. If it's a great song. Sure. Then that's all I really care about. And and um and all I want to do is I want to embrace the spontaneity. I, as long as we're in that vibe yeah. where we're going with that that feeling of excitement and we're into it, then I feel like you know we could there that they, you know the direction of the next record could be really fun. You know, as
0: long as it's fun and we're thrilled, that's all I. Uh. Uh, speaking of the spontaneity there's there's so, so many times on this record where uh, maybe we took a little break from the studio and it was really truly my one time of kind of kinda going in and go by myself maybe I'll try putting bass on it, it's not here yet, I don't know if I and I would go, hey Zach check this out, I, I know we're probably going to redo it but, and then he would more often than not, just, that sounds great let's keep it, yeah. and We we started working this way where we would rec- I-, I would record when he wasn't there and i felt fully free to do that and he f- actually like was very um accommodating in that respect of like like you know giving me the 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 room to to really explore and to to mess with songs in a way that i never did before where it was mostly i just did drums and so um that was that was really cool like i, I there was one song the um good, uh, I, I, I'm always like having a hard time with names. The one, uh, the one that the, like brought to the bachelor party and was, oh, sorry, sorry, ladies and gentlemen, Curious Me. And uh, might, I, I think just, it's the
1: second or third time
0: you asked for that yeah, that song specifically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that that one truly did. Like start off as a, a guitar-driven yeah. song, and then became piano. And I just tried some stuff on it, brought it to my bachelor party, and next time I saw Zach, I was like, check this stuff out, and he just. Loved it, and I was like, well, "We're really establishing our true sorry, way of working together." Brought to your together. bachelor party? Is that what you said? Well, I brought a mix of it, and I was like, "Cause I knew he was going to be there. I hadn't seen him in a while." Yeah. And I was like, "All right, let's just do this real quick." And I played yeah. it, and and uh, we geeked out for a little bit, and it was mainly like there's a a bridge, and I did a little. I just grabbed a book off the shelf and read a passage then didn't listen to what I had done and then read the same one over again trying to match the tempo and then read it a third time so it has this kind of gibberish kind of whispery quality and then I took a happy apple that Fisher Price de- it's like an 80's Fisher Price yeah, toy Yeah. you'd shake it actually Kurt Vile has one on, on that walking on a pretty daisy he's holding a happy apple in his hand and um, and and put that in there Like I have two of them so I recorded two of them so it has this odd, jingly kind of whispery quality and that like a lot of times a bridge will or a solo section will go solo here's our, our th- this solo on this one is all like in your head kind of what, what makes me really
2: happy about that song in particular is that first of all I thought we had left that song for dead because I wasn't happy with it I didn't think it sounded very good and um, I was trying to have this love song about When you first, first the innocence of when you first fall in love with someone and how that feels, and and I felt like it was just sounding too on the nose and it wasn't capturing it, and, and and I was playing this kind of incessant guitar thing, incessant guitar thing at the top. Anyway, I stepped away from the song and abandoned it, and then Pat had his way with it, and somehow by, I don't mean to sound perverted. Yeah, what yeah. I mean it was is, an innocent love song, and then Pat had his way with it. Yeah, me. but Pat took his time, <laughs> yeah. and somehow, and this is what I love about having yeah. a band and the, and having a collaborator and someone I trust, is that he was able to make the song feel the way I wanted it to feel, mm-hmm. and it was an intimate feeling. It was about how I feel, but by me letting go and t- letting him take yeah. over the process without me even there, it has this imperfect loping nostalgic vibe that i wanted that reminded me what it was like when i first fell in love like those those feelings of innocence and longing and and still feeling self-conscious and all this kind of these memories were conjured up by stuff that pat did on top of the song so that to me is uh the the thrill of a partnership and why how i know that i don't want to do things by myself you know
1: i mean and a good analogy for the songwriting process itself i mean it sounds like you were afraid of being a little too earnest with that one specifically i mean was that does that and does that go back to the early days when you were just writing like bedroom songs before you shared them with anybody that you were worried that they were just going to be a little too like cliche love song
2: yeah i mean yeah, well, I mean, even then, like I say, I mean, I, I it was for me, so I didn't really worry about it too much. But yeah, it's hard to write um, sincere feelings, you yeah. know, it, it's hard to write love songs uh, and not have, feel like they're saccharine, you know. And so we have two songs on this record, both love songs, and I feel like both of them are nuanced enough where they don't feel... Two on the nose. Yeah, I feel like there's enough left on the table where the circle isn't totally complete. You know, where it has the sense of longing um, left, left inside, and, and, and we didn't kind of h- hammer you with the, the 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 hooks. You know, on those two. But will
1: will they call you out on your bullshit if they feel like it will is a too? Yeah, or yeah, yeah the other
2: yeah. Well, and that there's a mutual respect. Like same thing. Like Pat was saying how he would add. All these things—bass, yeah. guitar, vocals—all this kinds, of, all these sorts of things, piano, synth, whatever. He'd try anything, and he knows that if I say I don't like something, it's not because it's ego. I, I, he knows I don't care who plays whatever; it's it doesn't work for the song. And he knows that when I like something, it's not to say, "Yeah, good job," to placate him or something. That we have the same goal in mind. That's why I feel so comfortable bringing song ideas to him that are very embryonic because I know he's not going to judge me. Yeah. It's hard to find that trust with people. It's well, hard, and I know. mean, the,
1: the, the flip side of that, the flip side of being, you know, ultra personal, I mean, I mean there's a song about gun violence. Yeah. and That's another hard one to tell. Yeah, I mean, and, but you, you, run, you run similar risks, but for different reasons, right? Yeah. When it's like, okay, well, I'm going to put on my political hat right now mm-hmm. and write this song. And it's, you know, not only because obviously, like, are there, there are a lot of people affected by it, but it's hard... To write a song about a subject that broad and not sound like it's
2: cliche or preachy or any of those things. Yeah, it's difficult to do that, you know. And I was aware of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, part of me doesn't give a shit, but uh, you know, I'm aware that um, you know there's that kind of uh, people do feel like you're being kind of flaky. And you and and you would know. I
1: mean, and you would know like after the recording process when you guys were touring and you were you were singing it every night, like you would know if something didn't feel genuine.
2: Yeah, and that song is genuine to me, and you know we're all affected by it. And, and I've I've said this in an interview before. Like it was yesterday we were talking about it yesterday. I'm no. sorry, forgive me for repeating myself. Sure. but I feel I couldn't help but feel like, and Columbine was obviously a, a, a marker in our country, but I feel like Sandy Hook. Yeah, I feel like our nation died a little bit after yeah. after our politicians decided to do nothing after that. That that if that wasn't enough to move the political process yeah. along if we if our politicians would choose that children being murdered was not enough for them to have a common sense but I felt like we kind of there's a, 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 a decay that uh, really started to happen there more and I feel like we died a lot as a country then and it's so that song is more of a lament than a call to action it's more of a, a more of a lament uh, and a, a, you could feel the decay there's a moral decay um, that our political process is complete. We're just we're um, we're gridlocked, and we can't we can't fix our problems that are totally fixable.
1: As as you know, as 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 a member of the band, you know, as as he's writing the songs, as he's like channeling these personal events in his life. Again, we talked about the last record. You were dealing with death, and and you were dealing with birth a lot in this new one. Is it, uh, is, is it difficult to get yourself into sort of someone else's headspace?
0: Um well usually Zach will take a little bit of time to explain to me where the songs are coming from. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes it will just I'll just figure it out in an interview. No. But he'll he'll kind of <laughs> he'll he'll get me he'll get me kind of um the gist of a song and, yeah. and and describe what's what's happening so I can kind of put myself in that in that place too. And uh, but sometimes sometimes I it's maybe the <laughs> Hate to say it, but sometimes it's lost on me completely, and I just work with wherever we're going. Yeah. I, I just, just kind of like go where the song is going, and if, and I trust that if Zach is not into it, he'll steer it in the direction it needs to go until I get the the, the meaning of the song, until I get the idea. Uh, it doesn't come to me right away. It's it's his, and it might take me a little while to to get there. Um, and so, in that in that at that when that happens, he's got he's got the steering wheel, and. Uh, like like I said, he'll say no. Like there was one moment where I was trying to put a L, an LCD sound system type percussion part on a song, and I was getting so into him coming in and going, "That's great, that's great." He came in, and this is when I knew he wasn't just blowing smoke in my general direction. He said, "I hate that, like just that." And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, okay, all right, you know, done, gone." <laughs> it was so funny, so yeah uh, that was that was funny
1: there you go that was rogue wave thanks so much to them for taking the time to do that really really enjoyed that conversation it was a lot of fun um i you know I know the band I, I know their music you know i've I've been listening to them over the years but knew very uh, little about them on a personal front so a very very fascinating conversation getting uh, getting some insight into that thanks to them for taking the time to do that thanks to Jacqueline for helping set that up. They've got a new album. It's out uh, right now, uh, out as of April. It's called "Delusions of Granfer on Easy Sound Recording Company. Uh, certainly check that out. It's um, it's kind of a return to form in a lot of ways. You know, we talked about this this quite a bit, but they uh, got a little, you know, a little. Um, dark there for a little while they were you know going through some, some personal stuff put out a, kind of a darker record and this is a, a, a lot lighter and, and breezier in a lot of ways but still very very interesting I would recommend, recommend checking that out uh, thanks to uh, thanks to Brian as always for editing the show together thanks to all of you for listening to the show if you liked what you heard please rate us over at iTunes um, also you know we're asking if everybody could help uh, pitch in a little money to our, our, our Patreon that would help out very much uh, we uh, uh, you know we're not running ads on the show right now, uh, but obviously things cost money. it costs money to host a podcast. It costs money to uh pay Brian to do the job that he does editing the thing together. so you know if we've got uh got a buck or two that you can lend us uh, please. Go to our Tumblr. It's casttumblr.com and you can find out the information about donating over there. Uh, if you got any feedback, it's cast at gmail.com. Uh, like us on Facebook. It's about all I got. Uh, lots of good episodes lined up. Done uh, done three interviews this week alone, so, uh, so stick around because we will be back just about this time next week with another episode of R.I.Y.L.